Hello, hello, my loves, and welcome to another episode of Cocktail Conversations with Shannon. This is going to be a sangria sermon again because uh, I had a very, very, very trying week personally. And I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just take this time to build my little life to, you know, organize myself, which is still in process, right? But we had some developments. I had some things that I wanted to discuss with you all. Um, And I figured, you know, recording might make me feel better about some things. So here I am ready to talk. Let me tell you something that is funny that happened this week. I was minding my business as I do. And (laughs) I look, it's like you have a Facebook friend request. Now I'll be honest, I get a lot of Facebook requests. Um, Some of them are singers and musicians that want to network. Uh, which I'm fine with, or old high school buddies, also cool. Um, And then I get a lot of strange requests from people that are selling Bitcoin. You know, would you like to be a millionaire? I would, but I don't trust that you can help me, baby, so I just ignore those. But this request came from a Randy White, Pastor Randy White. And at first I was like, this is fake. Then I had questions. Did did you find the podcast episode in which I dragged your ex-wife on your behalf and I was making fun of your post? <laughs> Hashtag Paula White lies. I don't know. I still sort of suspect that it's fake, but if it is a catfish, it's one of the best catfishes I've ever seen because it is tweeting and posting and posting photos just like a 60-year-old man who doesn't know what he's doing on Facebook. It is quite a bit of um, posts about the church, every sermon, every sermon topic, uh, every time they live stream church, it's sharing that. Lots of out of focus photographs of his mom and dad every holiday and birthday. Um, Lots of like weird posts about like just things from his youth, things about like his very close family members. So there's a part of me that's like, is this real? Because you got to be a real serious catfish to dive deep and find pictures of somebody's mama and 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 tweet about those and post about those and all that stuff. So uh, more coming, you know. And of course, I told my friends, they're like, see if he'll give you an exclusive scoop on why he said Paula White lies. <laughs> so Randy, if you're listening, you know, if you need a place to confess and unburden your soul about your ex-wife. Cocktail conversations will always have you. (laughs) All right, let's dive into some mess. More mess, I should say, because I didn't really give y'all a moment to breathe before I started talking crazy. This week, Erica Jane. Now, we're on Erica Jane gate. That's my news ticker. Uh, I told y'all about the Housewife and the Hustler show and that the day after the documentary came out, her legal team dropped out. So it's been revealed this week that there are uh, receipts, proof, transactions, all those things that over their marriage, Tom Girardi gave Erica Jane $20 million towards her business's success, lifestyle, whatever, however she used it. $20 million of money came from him to her and her LLCs and businesses and things like that. So, of course, this goes back to what I said last week, that whether or not she knew where the money was coming from, whether or not she knew how Tom Girardi was making his money, 
in my humble opinion, it doesn't matter. You got to start atoning. It's time for the atonement tour. And so 20 million ain't nothing to sneeze at. I would, I don't know if I would have, you know, for $20 million, you might get me in that. I'm a stick beside him. That's my man. And I'm a stick beside him because if I know, you know, it's, it, it stinks. She's going to just have to be prepared to be broke. And I think that's why I keep saying, I think this divorce was just a clever way to hide assets. I don't think it's working, but I definitely think that that's a part of it. And recently Erica was spotted out and maybe this is part of the ploy as well. But re recently, uh, Erica Jane was spotted out pumping her own gas, which I don't know if I've ever heard of her doing. Um, and she's out with no makeup and out with no uh, glam at all. Just her hair kind of scraggly and wild with a t-shirt and leggings on. And so, of course, you know, the internet is like, oh, the glam squad must have quit. She's not, she's not put together. Is this what she looks like? She must be broke now. She must be, you know, all of those sorts of things. Whether or not that's true, it's either broke or depression because we have never seen her come out in public. Certainly not since she's been on The Real Housewives without a look, a look, a look. And you'll have to look it up. Um, it's like very, very recent. She's in, you know, it's a nice expensive t-shirt. I'm not going to lie about that. But you know, her hair is disheveled. Darling, it costs nothing to pull that hair back into a ponytail. That's why I'm, I'm like, this is giving me super depressed tease or super set up, super staged, super attempting to look uh, humble and normal again. It does not look good. I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again. It does not look good to spend thousands and thousands of dollars a day on your look while there are people who are struggling to eat and feed themselves and pay their medical bills, and you're the reason they can't do so. So more to come on Erica Jane Gate, and it's just sort of catching up with the divorce on Beverly Hills Housewives. It's just been announced on the Beverly Hills Housewives and um, so we're, I'm, I'm waiting to see if we really get that Broadway acting of what happened. And, oh, he just doesn't love me. And, you know, she's going to try to make it sound like it's a normal divorce. But I'm almost positive that this is all smoke and mirrors. And it's all about money. You know, I'll be watching. So let's talk about Usher, T-Pain, and uh, my take on that. Because I have lots of thoughts and emotions on it. And it's all... Very, very mixed, my love. So uh, T-Pain is on uh, this documentary series that's going to be on Netflix called This Is Pop. I haven't actually watched the series yet. It just came up on my little Netflix as something to watch. So I might uh, kick it up a little later. But a clip that has come from it that uh, has gained a lot of traction is that T-Pain, you know, Florida native uh, auto-tune king, says that he had a lengthy battle with depression over the last few years, uh, and it triggered him when Usher, legendary, yeah, Usher, uh, said that T-Pain and Auto-Tune really ruined R&B music. Um, he said that they met, he thought he was his friend, they were on a plane, Usher wants to talk to you, and he said, Usher flat out said, man, I want to tell you, you kind of fucked up music. And he said, I thought he was joking. 
And he said, nah, man, you really fucked up music for real singers. Um, so let's talk about that. Uh, there was a time period in, in, in which I semi-agreed with Usher. I don't think I would have called T-Pain to his face and met him on a plane and said, hey, you fucking up music, because that's just not nice. That's your friend. You don't talk to your friends quite so gutter. I mean, I'm I'm probably not the one to talk because I can be a bit brutally honest, but, you know, just a steering of, hey, T-Pain, your natural voice is lovely. Why don't you do more of that? Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, catch more flies with honey, Ush. But I think here's the problem with the music industry, as I see it as a person who sings and who listens and who has been old enough now that I've seen some cycles of music. What happens is a person naturally creates something that hits for them. In this case, it was T-Pain and the usage of the auto-tune. If you are a Floridian like I am, there was a period of time where T-Pain did not use an abundance of auto-tune. One of my favorite T-Pain songs is an old one called Going Through a Lot. It is nice. It does not have all of the auto-tune on it. So he tried something new. He did something creative. He made a... A, a use of auto-tune that created a distortion on his voice, a la Roger Trapman and Zap and Teddy Riley and all these people who have used it in the past. But for some reason, when T-Pain did it, it hit really, really hard during that time period. The issue that I have with T-Pain, in hindsight now, and that I wish Usher had had the line of sight to see, but I'll get on him, don't worry, his drag is coming. Uh, what I wish Usher had the, the the line of sight to see is that the problem was not that T-Pain utilized something. The problem is that when one person does something, everybody, all the executives, all the radio, all the record labels say, oh, this is the thing. Let's do only this. Let's only play this. Let's get T-Pain to do songs just that way for everybody. So if T-Pain comes up with something new or something different, was that going to get as much traction? No, because what was tried and true now is the auto-tune. If other artists say, no, I don't want to do that, will they get as much airplay? No, because the labels are scared and they only want you to do the same thing over and over again. That's the real problem, is that we have a system in our music industry that thwarts differences and creativity and natural talent if it doesn't fit a box and that's whatever box people seem to be buying right now and people are only buying that box because they're only hearing one thing if you only hear one type of music on the radio if you only hear one song on tiktok or instagram or facebook or youtube and it's being pushed as a favorite it's being pushed out to you you're only hearing one thing you're only consuming one thing if there's only McDonald's everywhere you go, can you be shocked when people don't buy other real food? No, the people just don't see and don't hear other things. That's how people consume their media. So T-Pain said that that triggered a major depression for him for about four years. He was really in a bad place mentally and spiritually and emotionally about that. And I think I understand why he would be because he's still just one person making music. And though he had, he was very influential and he was a huge deal musically to think you've effed up an entire genre that you love has to, and you hear that from someone you consider your friend, by the way, that's going to mess with you. Um, so here's why it bothers me that it came from Usher. 
I actually am an Usher fan. I've seen Usher live in concert about three times now. Um, and he gives you a good show. He gives you good vocals. He gives you great dance. The last time I saw Usher in concert was a tour he did. I feel like it was 2016, maybe. Um, yeah, because I was already caregiving for my mom. They had a tour that came uh, to the arena. It was an arena tour. Because I remember thinking, how is he touring? He doesn't really have anything new out. Maybe it was right after, shorty, I don't mind if you dance on a pole. I feel like it was there. Anywho, so he does the entire show. And the whole time I'm like, oh my gosh, I miss Usher. I miss this Usher. He does the whole show. And he ends the show with Without You. So for those of you who have not heard Usher or have blocked it from your mind like I did, go ahead and Google what Without You sounds like. There was a period of time when Usher stopped sounding like regular R&B himself and started to try to do the Neo, uh, Rihanna, uh, techno pop R&B, and it grated on my last black nerve. And so for him to say, oh, T-Pain has ruined things for real singers, when he fell into the same trap of doing whatever is popular, even though, it, and we hear him do this now, I mean, in his at his big age now he has this habit of falling into whatever is the trend like he did a mixtape with somebody and it was like all this trap r&b all kind of like half talking r&b that ain't helping with singers either that annoys me to no end you have the vocal skills to do it so how is that worse than what t-pain has done at least t-pain had a lane had a vision had a sound Usher is struggling to find all of those things right now. And the problem with Usher is his inability to sweep around his own front door. To be honest, I don't know if Tamika put the roots on him or what, because he ain't put out a good project since, since he crossed his ex-wife, in my opinion. So I just need everybody. The real issue is let's not point fingers. And I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of saying, oh, I don't like this person. They trash. They don't sound like this. Or, you know, why y'all ain't doing real singing no more, blah, blah, blah. I'm very guilty. I, you know, I point my finger at myself. But for me, when I heard this, it really convicted me because the real issue is not whether or not we all do different stuff. That's fine. That's creativity. That's art. There's a place for all of it. The problem is we're being spoon-fed one thing at a time as if we all can't thrive, as if we all can't sing, as if we all can't create. It is unfair and it happens more, in my opinion now, I don't know about uh, white artists and pop, but it happens more in R&B because the truth is R&B has a multitude of subgenres. We not all sound in the same, we're not all doing the same work, and that should be okay. But because we've allowed mainstream media to say R&B, which is like segregated music, let's be honest, it's all the niggas and, one, and, and, and y'all who are JoJo, uh, all y'all who want to sing like us, then this is the R&B umbrella. And so just because we only get representation in one genre, we're going to fight and fuss about how we get represented. We do the same thing uh, like Monique and them damn bonnets. Okay, we only get one or two of us at the, at the show, so we got to all represent together. Uh, I see the same thing happen now that we've got a little bit more diversity on some of these Real Housewives shows with uh, Sora Ebony and Garcelle on um, Beverly Hills, there is this ultra pressure of you're the only one in that space. So you've got to represent all of us in one way. But we don't all agree on how we want to be represented. You know why? Because we're all different people. And what we need to fight for is the diversity. 
of representation in our genres. And so T-Pain is T-Pain. He's doing his own thing. Usher's doing his own thing. There are plenty of other artists and singers and performers that are doing things altogether different. Janae Aiko and I, I love some Janae Aiko songs. We don't sound nothing alike. We're never going to do the same thing. That doesn't mean there's not space for me as a vocalist, for a person that sounds like Janae Aiko, for a Summer Walker, who I, I pick on because it sounds like she don't really want to do this mess. She sounds like she'd rather be home eating vegetables and shit. So that's the only reason I hate on Summer Walker, but I love her voice. But, you know, all of us are, you know, all of these people, they sound different. They're doing their own thing. There's space for all of them. And you can't look at, like, a her who has a completely different vocal pattern than all of them, or SZA who sings in, like, you know, wingdings, um, all of them sound different. There's space for all of them. And then there's still space for the more traditional R&B vocalist who sings more traditionally, who may have a church background, who may have that influence. All of that needs space to grow, to flourish. We need more than one radio station that's doing these kinds of songs. We need more than one show. We need more than one channel. That's what we should be fighting for. Because too often we letting, we're letting people who are not a part of the, the feeling or not a part of the genre. We're letting the business people, we're letting the record labels, we're letting the networks tell us what we should like instead of taking control. And I wish that artists that had more of a name and more of a power like Usher and like T-Pain would fight for that. Okay, that's my rant. Let's talk about Nick Cannon and how he needs to get on birth control. So Nick Cannon, uh, formerly Mariah Carey's husband, uh, is a father and 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 a father some more and a father again. And he going to be a father one more time, maybe twice, because he's good for putting out twins. So our good, good friend Nick Cannon is trying to bless his heart. I feel like populate the world with his offspring. So he uh, was married to Mariah Carey. They have their twins, Rock and Roe. Uh, <laughs> I still don't like those names, but they're beautiful children. Um, and so once he and Mariah divorced, he had another child with a girlfriend and that was seemingly normal man's divorced. He's moved on to another relationship. We thought he had a little boy named golden. Um, and so then what we've discovered now is that there's a chance that he is expecting, <sighs> A seventh child. Now, let me give you the breakdown because that would be four kids in the span of one year in a quarantine with, let me count, three different women. So uh, he had a child in December with another woman named Brittany, named Powerful Queen. That's a daughter. And he came back around and had a set of twin boys with the mother of the four-year-old little boy, Golden. Their names Zion and Zillion Air. Who these names? So literally days after the twins were born, like days fresh out the box, there's another young woman named Alyssa who has this beautiful photo of her and him cradling her stomach, like Happy Father's Day. There's a good chance that this was also his as well. Nick Cannon, what are you doing? And... <laughs> I'm not trying to judge this man. I know he's had his own health troubles. I know that, you know, him and Mariah get along as exes and co-parents, and it seems like he is active in all these children's lives. But if you don't stop 
every time you like somebody, you don't have to make a baby with them. Like he's so, I don't know why this annoys me so much. I think I do know why this annoys me so much. Can you imagine a female celebrity gestating as often with as many different partners as Nick Cannon does? And if in the world going, well, she can afford them. Well, these men don't seem to mind. They look happy and taken care of. Can you imagine? Like as soon as the six weeks is over, she's pregnant and pregnant with another man and unmarried or divorced. Like this would just never, ever, 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 ever fly. Like Erica Badu has three kids by three different dads and they're spaced out by years and people still comment about how many baby daddies she has. So it's just, it's annoying as a woman to watch him just spread literally his seed like over the nation. And, and I wonder as a, as a, as a person who is an only child and still was spoiled enough to be like, I don't have no time my daddy, how all of these kids are really going to feel having to just share their dad with so many different people and so many different households and so many different women. I just have questions. I also want to know how he manages to do every maternity photo shoot as if he's truly in love with these women. Look up the pictures. Everyone gets a photo shoot. Now, of course, Mariah and him, they were married when they had their twins. So, you know, but each, you know, these last sets, they just back to back to back into, you know, four children in a span of 365 days with three different women and each photo looks as if they are the love of his life are they sister wives is this a thing do they know that they are one in a harem you know he wears that head tie like he's haji on johnny quest so is that what's going on is that the thing is this a thing in which y'all all are a family and y'all have all decided to live an alternative polyamorous polygamy kind of lifestyle tell the people that's what y'all are doing so y'all don't look so stupid I mean it's still not something I would do but at least I want to know you're not getting played in your face like okay you've agreed to be a part of a harem and though I don't necessarily think it's a thing you should want to do it's your choice I guess just what is this what is this I don't like it and I know <laughs> I try not to judge people's life choices I promise you I'm trying so hard not to and, 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 and if, you know, he does seem like he is active. And like I said, every woman gets a photo shoot that looks like she's being loved on, whether or not that's true or not, she gets the pictures to pretend she is. So I know that there are people that are justifying understanding, but I don't want a world full of little Nick Cannons. And I don't want, I don't want this to happen to other black women there. I've said it where it's just like, okay, hope you get enjoy being part of the harem, being a, a sister, baby mama, being you know, the baby mama symposium. Mariah Carey is not included in the baby mama symposium, by the way, that's my disclaimer, but it's just like, Oh, is this the best? This is not the best. You deserve a loving maternity photo shoot. Cause you actually the only person pregnant at that time. And not cause he's just very good at looking, loving in photos. Ah, <sighs> But I get it because he's having some health troubles. He's had some health troubles. And so he, I think, from what I have heard, is very concerned about his mortality. And so he's just sort of like, I live it up. I do what I want. Um, and maybe that's why he isn't believing in birth control. Like he's trying to make as many kids and 
and and do as much as he can before he goes to glory? I don't know. I don't, I just, Godspeed. That's my answer. And Godspeed to the children. Because if I saw Nick Cannon coming, I would run at this point. He just, ugh. Too fertile, too fast, and too furious. I'd be gone. Let's talk about uh, a TV show that has taken my freedom, my common sense, my peace of mind, and wrapped it all around itself. And that is BET's Encore. You know, it's a mess produced by Carlos King. So that should already set the tone for those of you who are reality show junkies. You already know if he's behind it, it's a hot mess. So the uh, show BET presents The Encore. Sorry, let me let me give it its proper title. Is a show that's, uh, <laughs> it tells us that it's going to create an R&B super group of nine women. Now, listen, my first complaint was the number nine. Nine is not a group. That's a praise team. That's an ensemble. That's a small church choir. That is not a singing group that is, uh, that is let's rent a bus and take a tour from church to church size. So that's already an issue for me. But what they do is they, they've compiled some, some girls, some ladies, some elders, according to some of the members, from some of the more popular R&B girl groups of the 90s and 2000s. So we've got Pam from Total. Um, I, I just realized as I was saying that this is the first time I've seen Pam's eyes because she wore sunglasses all through the 90s. I don't think I'd ever seen her eyes until the show. But they got Pam from Total, Shamari from uh, Black. Uh, Lord, can I remember the rest of these girls? Two sisters from Cherish. The two sisters from 702. That's uh so the two sisters from Cherish are Fallon and Felicia. Seven oh two is Misha and Irish. For those of you who don't recall your uh, uh Word Up magazine knowledge, and uh, <laughs> Aubrey O'Day from Day Twenty. Lord, I'm about to call her from Day Twenty Six. I'm mixing all my shows up from Danity Kane. Who am I missing? Keely from Three LW slash The Cheetah Girls. And lucky number nine has never been in a girl group and is sort of everybody's favorite. Nivea, Nivea of Laundromat, Don't Mess With My Man, who was married to the dream and y'all know uh, one of Lil Wayne's baby mamas. Uh, so I'm giving you the lowdown on all this because it is one of the best things I've seen in the last like year in terms of reality shows. And it's great for two reasons because you've got Aubrey who is let's be honest, a reality show expert. She knows what she's doing on a TV show because she started, you know, on making the band. So you've got her. She's good for a little razzle-dazzle and some R&B pop fun. Um, what is interesting about the show, let me give you the rundown on, on what's interesting. Thing one, Nivea is gold. Let me just start there. Nivea is worth her salt. I would pay good money to watch a show where Nivea just comments on things in life. She's hilarious. She just wants to sing her songs and eat snacks and mind her business. And I love it. And she just always has something funny to say. And if you're watching the show, you decide to watch the show, when things are going on in the foreground, keep your eye on Nivea because her facial expressions 
her commentary. It's like she's us in the show. She is she is such a good Greek chorus. And there's usually a cookie involved. She's usually chewing on a cookie. <laughs> so Nivea is gold. She's perfect on a reality show because she's so funny, just naturally funny being herself. So, and she's also the one who can actually sing the songs. Like every time they're like, okay, we're all going to go around and sing. We're going to talk about the singing too. Everybody let's go around and sing. Nivea can sing her stuff. She don't give me no problems. She'll give, she don't give my ears no problems. So Nivea, we, we honor you on today. So the girls from Cherish, Fallon and Felicia come and they are the first two there and they want to tell us all that they have worked on since Cherish's demise and that they've done this in the background and they've worked on this in the background and they've done this but this is a chance to come back to the forefront of singing. Some of you are listening and I know what you're asking. I don't remember no Cherish. What the hell is a Cherish? Keep that thought in mind as you as you <laughs> hear. But they had they had one popular song in the uh early 2000s called do it do it do it do it do it and then the world be rocking do it do it so do it do it do it bounce with it yeah i feel like it was on the atl soundtrack so that might be their claim to fame that's the most popular thing they did okay so they get there and then the girls start coming pam from total comes here comes 702 here come all these other people and they start going these people are old what is this, a group of geriatrics? How are we going to start a girl group with them? I ain't know it's going to be somebody, all these people in their 40s. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, hold on now, hold on, hold on. How old are these girls from Cherish? Because I thought they were, when I was young, they was young. And now that I'm at this big age, they should be at this big age too. And sure enough, they're like right around my age bracket. And I'm like, now listen. Though I I tell everybody I'm still young and fun and fly and foxy and all those things, I'm certainly not at an age in which I need to pick on people being older because that freight train is coming. So I was appalled at the age discrimination that the girls from Cherish were doing as they are in their mid-30s. Have you ever spent any time around a 20-year-old when you're in your mid-30s? You will feel like an elder. So for me to be in my 30s, I'm not clowning no 40-year-old, 40-plus, 50. Hell, you still doing it. I don't have no problem with you. So I was taken aback by their age discriminatory behavior and the fact that they kept saying they had done all these things in the background, but I ain't really heard a people or moan from them since do it to it, do it to it. You know, the world be rocking to it, to it, okay? So that's an interesting thing. Keep your eyes on the total on the on the on those girls. Other things of note: uh, Irish and Misha. Now, if you're like I said, if you have a certain age, you remember seven hundred two. Seven hundred two was a big big deal in the nineties. They were fabulous in the nineties, but we only really heard one member of seven hundred two sing a lot. Lead singer and not a sister of theirs, Mila. Mila did all the lead vocals. All of those good songs, you remember. Mila did all the lead vocals. Unfortunately, this show is showing us why. I wanna I wanna be nice as I preface this. When when they signed the contract to say, hey, y'all wanna go be on this BET show, they should have immediately called a vocal coach. They should have been in training. It really sounds like they kind of said, we haven't sung since 98. But I don't know, crack it open. Maybe we can do it again. And the answer is they can't. Them vocals, ooh, them vocals, them vocals, them vocals. Just, there's there's two scenes of note. 
you know, there's one scene where they have an actual vocal coach come and each girl has to go around the, around the piano and they start to sing their little bits and pieces so we can see where everyone is vocally. And at that moment, I'm watching it and I was like, I feel like sending people home. There were some people who needed to go home immediately. And as I said, if you came with your biological sister, you could go home because Fallon and Felicia, they had a lot of mouth, but they didn't have a lot of voice. You dig? These vocals weren't doing all that they were giving me. All of this, oh, we're going to be in a group. This person can't be in a group. And then y'all get up there, giving away all of my love. No, ma'am. No. No. You would have thought they were damn, you know, Shaka Khan and Patti LaBelle, that they were just waiting on some doo bop bops to support them. All that mouth they were talking. No, ma'am. Irish and Misha, I can't even, I don't even know if I can imitate them. What I want them to do, I, well, I can't go back in time and tell them, y'all get your asses at home and work on this and come back for another season. But it's bad. And I feel bad for them because it's so bad. It's hard to watch when they sing. And so they spend a lot of time crying about how everybody think they ain't ready. And the twins so mean. They're not ready. They're not on our level. And it's kind of true, but they level ain't that damn high. So they need to humble themselves too. Um, so those are the things of notes. If you came with your biological sister to the show, y'all should all go home, in my opinion. Other things of note. Uh, <laughs> now, here's here's <laughs> here's where I'm about to get real deep with y'all. You ready? So they did this thing where they had, like, a queen for the week. And the queen was supposed to be the tiebreaker on decision-making and things like that. And Pam from Total... They voted her as the queen. Now, you little Pam on total backstory. So when she first comes, she's very, um, she's a special kind of Christian. And when I say she's a special kind of Christian, I don't just mean like she loves the Lord. I mean, she cannot have a conversation about anything unless it, it will draw back to God. Like, hey, Pam, you hungry? Well, you know, this morning I prayed over my food and I thought about my decisions and God was leading me to cut back on some meat. I just... I didn't ask you that, right? She's she's giving me that kind of energy. I don't have no problem with you loving the Lord. Love the Lord, love God, love Jesus. Feel passionate about your faith. Be connected to God. It's all good. But for me, as I am watching, Sister Pam said she had an addiction to alcohol and it was doing her bad and she was really worried about her health and she cried out to the Lord and the Lord saved her and broke her from that alcohol addiction. And I love a person who actually has a story of actually being saved because so many of us, uh, we just got rules. We didn't get actual saving, but that's a whole different episode, right? So I'm fine with that. I'm cool with that. Praise God for releasing that stronghold of that drink on Pam's life. But Pam, in my opinion, has just switched one addiction for another because the way she does faith things, it just feels funny to me. Like, yes, she's all in. You know, we love these terms. So-and-so sold out, all in, all that stuff. But remember, I had that one episode where I told y'all mental health and unwellness hides very easily in our faith spaces because we don't really dig deep into the underneath of what people are thinking inside. So Pam has gone from, I guess, being addicted to drinking all the time to not being able to function, talk, think, uh, comport herself in any way in which she does not use her faith, in my opinion, as a crutch versus uh, a belief in a faith system. Now, this is just me on the outside. So this next scene led to a Bible study in my friend group, which is funny, but I'll go ahead and share some some some, <laughs> some thoughts. So they're all sitting around, 
uh, Pam is sitting on the couch and Aubrey is on the floor. So Pam's legs are right next to um, Aubrey. Aubrey is talking, listening, having conversation, and puts her arm across Pam's legs like you would put your arm across the back of a chair. And Pam, when I tell you, jumps like, like a cat on a hot tin roof and says, oh, you know, it's nothing personal, but, you know, I can't do touching like that. Oh, okay, because... <laughs> no, if she'd have stopped it there, I think it would have just been weird, but here's where it got like, oh, God. So she goes, because it doesn't look right. People will think that I am with a woman. And I have been in the past and God has delivered me from that. So I cannot and I do not engage in touching other people. <laughs> I've been delivered. And so we had a variety of talks. This is why it turned to Bible study. Because I said, Pam ain't no more delivered than the damn newspaper in the morning. That ain't no delivered behavior. And so it, you know, so the question became, what does it mean to be, quote, delivered from something? Now, here's why I say this. First of all, I'm, I'm, I'm straight. I'm heterosexual, cisgendered, all that jazz. But I do have friends that are of all gen genders, right? And I'm attracted to men. I have had male friends literally in the exact same position that Aubrey was, where, you know, we all talk about something, they on the floor, I'm on, and then they throw their arm across my leg. And I've never jumped <laughs> like that because it wasn't nothing to it. It was platonic on both ends. It was not, you know, most of the time, most of my male friends are gay, so I know they don't want to part to me. But it was just like, oh, I've never felt so. So so for me, that arm, she drew more attention by doing all that. Like, oh, it don't look right. Folks go think I'm with a woman. Actually, I didn't think nothing of her doing that. And I didn't think nothing of it until you said something. So her drawing attention to it made me know that she had a feeling. That arm across her leg made something on the inside of her go, hey. <laughs> something just, hey, hey, jumped a little bit. And so she had to call on Jesus because that she, she probably felt that in a while. That isn't... <laughs> So here's the, here's the deep question that Encore brought amongst myself and my friends. And that is those of us that are, are Christian and have grown up in traditional uh, faith spaces, particularly that use that term of I've been delivered from something. The way that we traditionally talk about deliverance means that that is not a thing at all for me anymore. I've been delivered from drugs. Usually that means I don't have a taste for it. I don't really have an inclination for it. That ain't a thing. That's really different than with God, I'm overcoming this thing, which lets us know that thing, you still like it, but you are trying to abstain. So her usage of the term deliverance was what I had an issue with, as well as the fact that she still made her deliverance or her own personal desire to abstain from certain things be everybody else's problem like I'm fine set your boundary if you don't like touching if you don't like a lot of physical contact because a lot of people don't like a lot of physical contact and it has nothing to do with sex sexuality gender they're just like hey I'm really into personal space I don't like a lot of hugging I don't like a lot of touching and I think it's fair to say that but her going on and on about 
why and that it's all about like this weird way she's quote delivered from her love of the poon but clearly can't get close to it without jumping like a, a cat on a hot tin roof beloved baby if you are using that term in the traditional churchy way of I've been delivered uh hashtag Andre Caldwell that's not what's happening here. You may be struggling. You may have overcome. You may not want to partake. All of that is your choice, whatever, whatever. You the one don't want to be happy. That's on you. <laughs> if you interpret scripture that way and you feel like that brings you closer to God, again, that's fine. But don't make it sound like you've been delivered. You haven't been. Because if you were not still attracted to women... It wouldn't really be a big deal if a lady sat next to you or gave you a hug or a high five or whatever, just like the rest of us gals don't care about women doing that stuff. We don't think that hard about it. Now, again, personal space is personal space, and that's fair if that's the issue. But Pam is an interesting human, and I just also want to know, like, what does she think was going to come from this? You got on a show to live in a house with a bunch of women. Then you said God told you to be there. So I don't understand what, like, did you think that these women were not going to come anywhere near you? You're living in a house with them. They're probably roaming around brawless at night. Like, what did you think was going to happen? And then she wants to be like, well, I'm saved. I don't want to sing certain songs. Beloved, you know, Aubrey is trying to shake that thing. Like, what did you get on here and expect to happen? I just, I don't know. Pam is, Pam is a study. The reason it turned into Bible study in my friend group was the question of what is deliverance. And so, uh, you know, shout out to Tremaine, who's been deep in his word lately. Hey, glory to God, who said that maybe we've been all kind of misreading the idea of deliverance, that perhaps deliverance is a consistent thing. Like I've been delivered from this uh, situation every time you, you don't fall into temptation. Um, it's deliverance, maybe. So we, you know, that's something to ponder for you deep thinkers. What exactly does it mean to be, quote, delivered from something? But I'll tell you what, I don't think Pam did. Whatever, either criteria, I don't think Pam counts. Pam wants some puss. I don't care what nobody's saying. <laughs> also interesting uh, is Keely from 3LW. Uh, slash cheetah girls wanting to be the creative director but not actually giving us creative notes and just starting mess uh fun fact I used to be in like a Facebook group for some show uh like years ago we all chat and talk and Keely was in the group and she was delightful via Facebook group she was a really cool person in that group um so I've I, I don't want to blow up a spot but I'm, I'm thinking she just calls an antics because it's a Carlos King production and sis got kids and need checks so, <laughs> so I, you know, I think she's just good at causing antics, but she is bisexual. And I know Pam's stuff probably bothered the hell out of her, all that, like, you know, you know, cause it was kind of like <sighs> another conversation because, somebody, you know, somebody was like, she was like, this is homophobic. The way you're talking about being gay or the way you're talking about, uh, you know, same sex attraction is, is really lingering on homophobia and so of course shamari my soror shamari says how can she be homophobic she done, she told us she had been with women shamari who has also been with women real housewives of atlanta seasons ago um 
you can be, this is just my own point because I've heard other people say this. This isn't an attack on anybody. You can very much be homophobic and probably be gay. Just like there are self-hating black people. We talk about them all the time. Oh, you know, people who are, are women and still think women should be subservient or not do this. Or, you know, you can very much absorb the hatred, the discrimination of the masses, even if that discriminates against yourself, because society is still society. It's like the air you breathe. Um, you can't, you, you can't say, okay, I'm out here breathing oxygen. No, you're breathing whatever's in the air. That's the same thing, unfortunately, with our society. And so, yes, you can very much be a, a person that has same-sex attraction and still have some homophobic thoughts and ideas. And that coupled with the, the version of faith, the version of Christianity, the interpretation of scripture that she has very much she can be homophobic and 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 learn to dislike herself and dislike who she is and what she has done she can very much learn to hate that about herself so you know not to get too deep with you guys but i just know that that's probably an argument i've heard other people say that's an argument that we've also heard like our, our friends say, no, there's no way I can be racist. I have black friends. Like all of these things can exist at the same time. Like two things can happen at the same time. You can very much be a person who has same sex attraction and yet still be homophobic against your damn self. I didn't say it made sense, but I'm saying it's very possible. So please y'all go watch this show. It is very, very fascinating. And they do sing a little bit and they dance a tiny bit. And, um, it is interesting because these are girls that were hot stuff in our youth. And it also makes me think about myself, just like as you get older and how you want to be and how you want to present in the world and how much of that is sort of in conflict with what you used to be. And how do you, how do you start over from where you were to where you want to be? How does that look? And watching each of them try to figure that out for themselves. Like, okay, this was who I was in the past. Even Pam with her weird, you know, please don't touch me. I like the puss too much perspective. And, you know, the girls from Cherish who still think they're 22 and not 34. You know, all of these things are sort of like things that patterns that I am noticing. And that is like, even like, like the girls from 702. Oh, if, you know, we did this, we did that you would die from all of the exciting things that we have done in our career. And I'm like, yes, you did all those things, but how are we going to move forward from where we are now? Because it's time to segue into the newness. So it just it's just, that's what's kind of got, it, it, you know, I'm always going to get weirdly deep with y'all about stuff. And so that's something that has um, sprung up in my, hmm, as I watch it. That's what makes me go, hmm. All right. That's what's been going on, my loves. I hope you all had a good day. I hope you all had a good week. Um, I had a really nice Father's Day with my grandpa. My dad went out of town on Father's Day because he forgot it was Father's Day. Yeah. But anywho, I'll catch up with him <laughs> later. But I had a really good Father's Day with my grandpa and with my father-in-law and just loving on these men uh, that are good and, and uplifting in our lives and in our families. So that's good. It's still Pride, so I'm going to keep telling y'all happy Pride. Uh, Juneteenth was this past weekend, so I had a nice time being Black American. And uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think, 
What else is going on? It's still Black Music Month. So y'all got a Black Music Month rant today. Uh, listening to T-Pain and, and Usher and all that debate. But I just want blessings for you guys. Uh, as usual, you can email me at cocktailcombo7 at gmail.com. You can rate and subscribe any and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can donate, and that link is in the description box as well. And I just want to hear from you. You can also send me a voice memo. Uh, I love, love, love doing this show. More to come, more to come. Oh, and y'all know it was Prime Day. So those of you who have been giving financially, please know that your contributions have contributed to a new microphone and a new portable studio that I will be using. So hopefully my sound is about to get lots, lots better. But I do want you to know that if you have contributed to this podcast, what you've contributed has gone right back into the making of this podcast. And I thank you. I love you and I appreciate you so much. I wish blessings and joy on you. I love you, babies. Have a good week. Bye.